Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Well, here we are, episode number two. We uh, survived episode number one. I think we did a really good job, and I hope uh, those of you that are listening enjoyed it. But today, what we want to do is we want to take digital transformation now, and we want to talk a little bit about the importance of leadership. What does leadership mean in the face of digital transformation? I think it's obviously it's a critical thing. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's funny. I, I Just a few minutes ago, I actually took the opportunity to call uh, our friend Dave Floyd. Just want to pick his brain on this guy idea. Right, right out of the gates, he told me, you know, Coles came to mind. Coles really started with a vision, and that vision really started at their CEO's office. And when that CEO had that vision, he was then able to take that vision and empower his people below him to be able to go find the tools to accomplish that. So when you look back at that, he had a, a vision, and that was to become what I believe the most engaged workplace in America or the engaged retailer in America. By doing that, he was able to essentially see an idea like Breakroom TV come to fruition. And with that that solution, you can see that the direct impact of things where they are not necessarily, they're a retailer that's not contracting at the same rate as other retailers. Mm -hmm. So I think had they gone the other direction where you know, let's say a corporate comms team had come to them and with this idea and tried to float it up. It's like trying to push a, a wheelbarrow the wrong direction up a hill. They had to have that vision coming down from the top. And so obviously that top-down approach is, you know, obviously critical. Well, anytime, anytime you have a project, anytime you have an idea, when it's executive-sponsored, it's got a far higher, far higher level of success. Um, and if you, if you don't, then you need to have leadership that's willing to listen. And the secret to any great leader is they empower the people below them and then listen. I think it was Steve Jobs that said, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people and let them tell us what to do. And that, I think that's one of the most core secrets to great leadership. Yeah, I think the leadership game has changed significantly in the midst of all this transformation, this digital transformation. I was reading on Forbes this week and it said that uh, being in the know on tech is no longer a job to be handed off to your CIO or tech team. It's a responsibility of every single leader in the company. So that, that that's an added pressure, but I think it's a good added pressure to uh, the leaders throughout the company, whether they're dealing with this digital transformation implementation directly or not. Oh, completely agree. No, completely agree. It, you know, we talked about this previously. Um, you know, technology, digital transformation is enabling us to do more. It's not just about doing it cheaper or faster or anything. It's allowing us to do more. And a leader has to have that vision to say, yes, we're going to, I, I understand this technology, and it's going to help us do a greater thing than we are doing today. So I guess the question I want to ask you guys, just for your opinion, is um, when it, when it, organization has to change when they are in the face of digital transformation. We saw it in banking. We've seen it in retail. We've seen it with the proliferation of Amazon and how big they've gotten. Say the CEO doesn't have a vision. How do, how do people empower the CEO to then get that vision, buy into it, and then uh, and then send it backwards? If, if the CEO, CEO doesn't have a vision, he's not going to be CEO. She, he, they are not going to be CEO for very long. Okay, And if they're not willing to listen to ideas from um, as far down as the, the frontline associate, then they're not going to be a good leader for very, they're not a good leader and they're not going to be in their position for very long. Short answer to your question is you need to walk into the CEO's office and say, you have a vision and this is a way that I can help fulfill my portion of that vision. 
Uh, and if, you know, and again, like I said, if they don't have a vision, there's a whole other set of problems, but they have a vision. That's why they're the CEO. And um, you need to go in there and say, I know how to help you accomplish one portion. You know, I don't think many companies have a mission statement that would be uh, completely turned upside down with a digital transformation. I think that the digital transformation can uh, nicely coexist with the existing mission statement. There may be a transformative activity or a transformative driver that has nothing to do with digital or technology. I mean, let's look at GM for a minute. I mean, CEO Mary Barra, she came in there and they had problems. And, and they were not technology-centric. They were culture, behavior, you know, belief system problems. Um, and she's affecting changes. And you know darn well that there's technology coming to play to help them solve those problems, all the way from communicating down what the new, you know, this is the way it's going to be, um, uh, ideas and attitudes to uh, tools and technologies that are helping them, you know, do what they do. So I think the transformation doesn't always have to be, oh, we need to adopt new technology. The transformation could very well be, we need to change our company. And then you find ways that technology and so forth can can do that. And, and candidly, you know, talking about leadership in the face of this kind of, of uh, situation, the culture of the organization is where the leader has to focus a lot of energy. We have to change it. We have to say, you know, we're not afraid of technology. We're not afraid of change. We're not afraid of new ways of doing things. We're not stuck on doing it the one way that we've been on, been doing it forever. And uh, that starts with the leader. And it's also, I think, imperative to to understand that we're not adopting new technology for the sake of adopting new technology, that the actual tech behind all of this doesn't necessarily need to be front of mind. It does not to be, need to be the most visible. It's what the technology can do and the accomplishments you're going to um, be, be able to achieve through the technology. But the technology itself could be a supporting star. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think then that goes back to what, Curtis, you were saying in your question. What is the you know, leader, whether it's the CEO or, or a vice president of a department or anything else like that, what do they need to have in the way of, of technology? They need to have an understanding of technology so that they can, if not see it themselves, understand it when it's brought before them uh, and, and take advantage of it. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say, I kind of, as you guys were talking, an example came to mind. Um, I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A. You know, their spicy chicken sandwich, it's kind of mm-hmm. completes me. It's delicious. <laughs> um Anyways, no, it's really funny. I don't know if you guys have been to the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A recently. Yes. You know how they, you're, the line looks very daunting when you get into the line. It looks like it's 40 cars long, right? You're like, this is going to take an hour. But little do you know, right, when you get in, there's five people with iPads and little credit card swipers that come out and greet you in the parking lot and take your orders, and they do it. I mean, that to me is a perfect example of digital transformation where, you know, not to necessarily throw them under the bus, but I, in the fact that I like their food better, but... You look at McDonald's, they, they went through this big, ru- this big push to do digital menu boards and do two drive-thrus, right? You get in there and the line is half as long as the line at Chick-fil-A, and it takes three times as long. It's because they, they haven't transformed in the way. They didn't figure, I, I think their vision was, we need to go digital. That's what we have to do, right? But we, don't, we are not empowering our employees to be able to how to leverage that digital to be able to enhance the customer experience. Yeah, Chick-fil-A is really, in fact, it's my wife's 
only drive through that she will ever go through with the kids <laughs> in the minivan because of the efficiency of it. And I think what Chick-fil-A, what I've observed, is that they're, they really know how to connect the human responsibility with the technology, and together it works. Yeah, you know, it's funny, actually, just to kind of further dive into what I saw recently when I was there is, um, you know, they, they, they take your order, they submit it, you keep driving around the corner, the person walks with you, right? When you get to the drive through window, that last couple of times I've been there now, there's actually a person that's standing outside the window of the drive through a Chick-fil-A employee. It's typically like a manager, and he's taking the food, whether it's for the car behind you or two cars behind you. He's, he's giving it back to them because they've received feedback through uh, digital surveys they've been doing that people want their food hotter when it's their turn of the window and it's not as as hot as they are it diminishes customer satisfaction so they're now taking food even if you're at the window and you're being served but the car two cars behind you is a single person with one item they're taking that and running it back to the person so even though they're stuck in line they still get their food in the freshest moment possible that was fascinating to watch well i think they also learned something from from the mcdonald's experience and that you know your order's not finished, but the one behind you is, so I'm going to have you pull forward. Oh, I think that's a horrible experience. I just think that's a horrible. Will you pull forward and wait? I, I'm, when, I, when, that comes, when that comes to me, I'm convinced they're going to forget about me. <laughs> you, know, you, you just move along so we can serve the people who ordered you know, faster or something simpler than you. But you know, the fast food industry, uh, that's, a tough, that's a tough place, right? You know, people want... You know, inexpensive, they want fast, oh, but they also want high quality. Oh, my goodness, you know, talk about a tough place to work. Well, and they're all about the individual, too, because on that same visit, right, so I love their spicy chicken sandwich. I, I can't believe we're talking about Chick-fil-A for five minutes, but really, I, I said sometimes, I was conflicted whether or not I order it because sometimes it's really, really spicy, and other times it's not spicy enough. And so when I said that to the person taking my order, they're like, well, you know, you, can, you know the trick, right? And I said, what's that? They were like, you ask where the breading level is in the bin. If it's low, it's hotter. If it's higher, it's really bland. If it's in the middle, it's just right. And and she's like, would you like me to call into the back room and find out if, what the level of the breading is? I was like, heck yes. <laughs> and sure enough, she did. She was able to, can you tell me what the breading level was? She she found out for me in that moment. She was able to leverage iPad, headset she's talking on, be able to communicate with people in the store, be able to elevate the satisfaction of the person in the line. But if, you know, now let's just take this to the extreme and talk a little bit about user-generated content. She should be sending a message up the chain that says, we have noticed, A, that customers sometimes comment on, sometimes it's spicy, sometimes it's not spicy enough, and we know that it depends on the way the bread is settling out in the, you know, in the bin. So we think a good practice is to have some sort of a process for stirring that mm. to bring the, the spicing up out of, or something. Yeah, something that allows this thing to turn. Because then all of a sudden what you'll see is that bread bin will somehow have a, a, a an arm that turns it once in a while or they'll have the ability to turn it top to bottom and then feed out of the top, mm. you know, kind of a thing. Uh, again, technology can help with this because you just set up a communication channel. Now, in order to protect the identity of the young lady who has helped you, you were visiting the uh, Eureka, Utah Chick-fil-A, right? That is Somewhere correct. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was actually in Topeka, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we, we don't want anybody to get in trouble for telling away the secrets of uh, breading and, and spicing. Yep. So with all this digital transformation business, um, there's an element of risk 
that's involved. It's an element of fear. And people have uh, a tendency to, to hesitate when they are implementing something new and expensive. As far as risk management, I have a quote from one of my favorite leaders in, in industry. Ed Catmull is the president of Pixar Animation Studios. And I like what he says about leadership because he's a president of a company that's an entertainment company as well as a tech company. He talks about risk management. He says, rather than trying to prevent all errors, we should assume, as is almost always the case, that our people's intentions are good and they want to solve problems. Give them responsibility, let the mistakes happen, and let people fix them. If there is fear, there is a reason. Our job is to find the reason and to remedy it. Management's job is not to prevent risk, but to build the ability to recover. Very good. Uh, that's, that's very good. Uh, listen, if there's fear uh, about something, whether it's new technology or a new office, uh, a leader needs to be the one who steps out to the front and says, this is good, this is all good. Change in market conditions. Uh, you know, a member of our team comes in and says, hey, I was reading in the newspaper that, you know, companies are spending less here or doing different there. Is that is that a concern for our company? And first of all, I think you acknowledge that, hey, that's fantastic that you're paying attention to the market and looking at things like that. I think that's wonderful, and I'm glad you came to talk to us about it because here's what we're doing. Sure it is. We're concerned about it, but here's what we're doing proactively or reactively to, de to deal with that, and I think that communication from the leader says to the employee base, we're not just, you know, we're not just floating out here without a rudder. And one of the things that he talks about in his book called Creativity Inc., which is a fantastic book on leadership, is that for a while he thought everything within his organization was great, was happy. Everybody was happy. He hadn't heard otherwise. But in reality, the honest and negative opinions from the organization weren't making their way up to his level. So while he was implementing these changes, implementing these improvements across the organization, adopting new technologies, he was completely oblivious to the way everybody below him felt. And all of a sudden, he finds out that the majority of people are very unhappy with some of the changes that are happening in the organization. And it's a rude awakening. So he had to kind of change the culture of communication, the open door policy that he thought he had to where his people that were closest to him weren't telling him what he wanted to hear. They were telling him the truth. And more importantly, the people down at the bottom, the intern or the the guy cleaning the tables could enter his office and talk to him. And then he says something really important. He says, we give no penalty for disagreeing. People are more likely to say what they think. So how does that apply to leadership amongst this digital transformation? Well, I was just going to say that the whole example, I mean, not to bring up Kohl's again, but remember, I mean, when they, I, the whole life at Kohl's movement, right? They've got 100,000 plus people that don't have desks or emails. They're the people that are putting money in the, they're, they're the ones that keep the lights on in the organization. So their inability to communicate was clearly a problem. And so they said, how can we do this? Well, we live in an age where everybody has a phone in their pocket. Everybody's on social media. How can we leverage that? Tim, and you mentioned employee-generated content, just going even a step even more basic on just social media and having a forum that was so open where they could simply post anything they want, saying hashtag live at Kohl's, and everybody in the organization can see it and, level, and raises engagement, right? So I can't remember the CEO's name of Kohl's when this was happening, but I, can pres I, I have to presume that he was able to see that and see, holy cow, this is working. 
people are communicating people are elevating each other's performance because they're not only seeing their pretty face on the on the screens but they're able to communicate with people in a way that they weren't able to do before yeah i remember those discussions early discussions on how much transparency are we going going to allow this system to have is it going to go through a rigorous approval process to where if somebody tweets out hashtag life at Kohl's look at this dirty aisle look at this messy shelf in our store are we going to censor that and a lot of people wanted to censor everything that would be remotely negative about about the company about the organization they did not want management to see anything that was less than perfect coming through from these associates and the decision was ultimately made that we'll of course filter out the the naughty words and the inappropriate pictures if they come across which is pretty rare but at the end of the day we're going to let people voice their opinions and know that these opinions are going to make it across the organization no i i think um, trust in an organization is something that is again it's fundamental to a leader they have to be the one that establishes it they have to be the one that drives it um i just you know i i can't imagine working in a in a, an environment where i simply didn't trust some level whether it's a, a going up or down the org chart from where i am i i I, I couldn't I couldn't go to work there. So how does technology break down those departmental barriers? Well, I think it allows sharing, information sharing. One of the first things is if you have the ability to, whether it's display results or track uh, behavior and, and report and do different things, being able to see what's going on um, and communicate across those silos or across those organizations i think that's a huge part of what technology brings yeah and then to, on your same point um you know prior to working for hughes um i was working with another small software company well a division of a smaller a much larger software company but regardless one of the coolest examples i ever saw they were on right on the cusp of buying a very expensive very robust piece of software to serve as the operational backbone for their company and when they went to go through the I mean they, they said okay yeah we've invited these vendors back in to talk what was found in that room wasn't the c-suite of executives to present to it was what they called a tiger team which was a key representative not even a manager of each department but a key representative from each department talking about how what their current pain points were and uh, enabling the vendor to then come in and say let's figure out how this is going to help your problem so they were breaking down those silos by going direct and having a representative coming back, and I thought it was a brilliant move. Yeah, I agree. Is it possible to not confuse the organizational structure with the communication structure? Again, it, I think that's a bit of a trust thing. I think that's a bit of a uh, leadership style, uh, hire smart people and let them do what they're supposed to do. I can't think of a bigger mistake than for a leader to say to their organization, oh, don't you go talk to someone else without you know, talking to me first or filtering it through me or, or something like that. I think you're just limiting. Now, I think you need to lead your people and guide your people that, you know, they, the kind of conversations and things that they do. Uh, you know, here, here in our company, I think we're very open. People know what other people are doing and you can idea share and you can borrow concepts and ideas from each other without really any concern. If you, you know, if you were in some sort of a very siloed organization where there might even be some level of competition between two departments about who was going to get funding or budget or stuff, I still think you need to find a way, because at the end of the day, we all work for the one greater company. It needs to be, uh, you know, the leadership needs to say it's for the, le for the greater good. Yeah. question that just came to my mind is, you know, technology is 
no technology is perfect, right? So when a company is looking to roll out technology, especially from top down, where we've already talked about how critical leadership is, how do we overcome that concept of an organization taking that leap of faith, you know, where they're, they have new, they have new technology and they're not 100% sure it's gonna work. What would you say to an organization that's talking that way? A CEO's job, unlike a doctor or lawyer uh, or some of that one, you know, a doctor has studied the human body, a lawyer has studied the law, and they know that, you know, X is gonna go to Y and Y is gonna go to Z, generally speaking. CEO of a company um, needs to be a man or a woman who has the ability to look at the data and make an educated guess on which way is the best way to go. Very rarely, very rarely do you have absolutes when you get to that level. Oh, we're going to make this change because it's just absolutely going to do this. Even if, even if the change was in a process and so you just knew it was going to have a, a certain impact, you don't know what the market's going to wake up and do tomorrow. You don't know what the weather is going to wake up and do tomorrow. You don't know what your competitors are going to wake up. A CEO, and I think by extension, down certain levels of leadership, you know, the, maybe the, the scope gets smaller and smaller. But a, a quality leader has to be the person who takes their own experience and takes information from educated people around them and makes the best possible judgment or, you know, guess. Tip, recently you posted on LinkedIn a, a really great quote about simplicity. Uh, it was from Richard Branson. He said something about how complexity is our enemy and that any fool can make something complicated, but that it's hard for us to keep things simple. So what role does simplicity play in this digital transformation when it comes to leadership and the transformation itself? Great question, and there's there's going to be two parts to the way I answer this, because if you introduce new technology, as I have said before and we've talked about here, um, it needs to make life better, okay? I can't have technology that's just new technology for new technology's sake. It's got to have a goal. But before we get to that stage, there is going to be some complexity, okay? Let's, let's, take, uh, let's take WebEx, for example. We're, we're pushing the deployment of WebEx inside of our division and the use of it, right? It's very, very challenging for people to grab this and say, oh, okay, I understand it. I can click and I could go, no, no, no. It's taking some time. But once you get through that hurdle, once you get through that initial learning process, I can't imagine life now without it. I have, you know, I have a, the, the little app open on my desktop all day long, and when it's time for a meeting, it's a click of a button, and boom, and I'm looking at people's faces, not just listening to them on the phone and all the advantages that are there that I can't imagine life without it. But as we bring more and more people through and onto this, there's a, there's a complexity feeling there. Going back to your, your, your comment about uh, Sir Branson's, you know, his quote, um, I think everyone's job a leader's job is to show that it will be better on the other side um, every new process every new change every new technology comes with a learning curve or a hurdle uh, but a good leader is going to take that complexity and help it move forward and be more simple um, and uh, and and that comes from you know, again, a strength of character, a strength of leadership, being able to stand up and go, I understand you're frustrated right now. Things are different than they were before. But once we get through this learning curve, 
for lack of a better term, things are going to be much, much better. There's that that made-up term, simplexity. It's where s- simplicity and complexity can coexist. But a good leader knows where the complexity needs to be. The complexity might be on the back end where the system is very complicated and robust and does a lot of processing of data or something. Where the simplicity belongs, it might belong on the front end with the user interface or the user experience. Oh, and I, you know, that's a nice segue to an ad for one of our future uh, podcast sessions. You know, we're going to talk about the importance of a good user experience when it comes to technology. And the other thing we've talked about already is let's, when it comes to technology, let's use the machines for what the machines are good for. Highly complicated, repetitive tasks are exactly what a machine's good for. It does it the same way every time. It doesn't diverge because it's had a bad morning or it's tired or anything. It just does it over and over again. So have all that complexity, have all of that calculations and figuring and and ciphering and everything going on in the back, but let the users just see a very, very simple uh, front end. I think there's uh, an industry for business and analytics that's growing. Uh, You know, our neighbors across the parking lot here, Domo, that's kind of their business, right? Let's take all these back-end systems and bring this complicated data into a place where a leader can look at it and see trends and see things very quickly and easily, very simply. Yeah, so I want to I, I want to kind of throw a, a, a question to, into this concept of accountability. You know, obviously the CEO is accountable for that vision. He's accountable for this overall strategy. But what's the right mix, and how do they how, how do they hold people accountable without necessarily feel like they're micromanaging them? In my opinion, a and this will start at the top. The CEO she will turn to her people and she will say. This is my vision, and each of you have the following responsibilities in there. And then they will together establish metrics, okay? When you sit down with a member of your team, someone that you lead, you need to establish metrics together, okay? If, if the leader is mandating the metrics, then they're a manager, and they're not going to have good buy-in, and they're not going to be successful. Uh, the leader needs to sit down across the table and say, these are the things we need to accomplish. How can we measure success? I define success this way. Do you agree? What what changes and whatnot? Because then you have buy-in, and then you can, uh, then you can easily hold people accountable, because you have these these metrics that you agreed to together, and you know, and then it becomes a matter of how do you coach people and make sure they understand the importance of achieving this. Can you hold them accountable? without instilling this paralyzing fear in them to where they think, if I make a mistake, if I do this wrong, if I don't cross all my T's and dot all my I's, they're going to terminate me. Oh, uh, okay. That, that comes back to a relationship with the leader. And the lead, you know, if the leader is someone who flies off the handle or who um, you know, excoriates you in public because you made a mistake, then first of all, it's not a good leader and it's not going to be a successful team environment. Um, we talked about a second ago, fail fast. Okay. The reason you fail fast is because you say, you know what? Yep. We made an educated guess. We were wrong. We're going to adjust and we're going to move on. Um, even if you have a team member who fails fast regularly, it's still more incumbent on the leader than on the individual to say, you know what? I have this person in the wrong place. They're still, they're still smart. We hired them for a good reason. Let's get them somewhere where they're not going to fail regularly. I, you know, again, 
the only the only time I think that you that somebody you know um, should be in fear of being fired for a behavior is if they're knowingly doing something contrary to the rules of the organization. Any anything else, if you're doing it with the purpose of you know growing and succeeding, the leader should recognize that and adjust only you know only if it's just you're unable to be successful, and then move them. Yeah, that, that concept of fail fast. I th- I think. You know, again, I'm relatively young, but I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from any leader I've ever had is when you make a mistake, a good leader should, a good leader is going to expect and likewise hope that the person will just say, yep, I made a mistake and here's how we're going to fix it. When a person who makes a mistake tries to beat around the bush saying, well, and blame somebody else or something like that, that's, that's not a culture of success. That's a culture of like, like to Chuck's point a minute ago, it's like I might get fired, you know. So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was when you make a mistake, don't be afraid of it. Use it as an opportunity to learn and to grow and own it and just say, yeah, I screwed up, but here's here's how I'm planning on fixing it. They'd much rather hear that. Yeah. I have I have two, two tenants, you know, that I think are appropriate here. And one is if you come to me with a, call it a complaint or something you're unhappy about, come with a solution to I may or may not be able to use that solution, but don't just come and break, you know, you know, just just break bad bread and say, "Oh, this is terrible." Give me some solutions. Um, to what you were just talking about, walk in and say, "Coach, boss, leader, whatever, I screwed up. This one didn't work the way we thought it was." Um, you know, in this in the spirit of fail fast, I can see right now we're not going to make the metrics that we want to do. And in that instance, I also want you to have an alternative. I don't want you to walk in and say, oh, it's not working, bummer, and let's you know shut it down. It's let's change this way, whether this way is shut it all down and let's go back to the drawing board, or let's change these three parts and see how it goes from there. Come with solutions. If you have a complaint, come with a solution. If you have made a mistake or if something's not working, come with a solution. So you know, let's 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 bring this to a close here. And, and I think one of the things that we've talked about when it comes to leadership. First of all, have trust and have confidence in your people and instill in them the confidence and trust in you as a leader to stand up when they need to stand up and take ownership and so on and so forth. That's my kind of leader. Amen. Well, we want to thank you for joining us at this uh, on this episode of our podcast, and we hope that you found some of the information helpful. If you have comments or thoughts, we encourage you to leave a note for us there on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Thanks.